sand through the hourglass. Today is the longest day of my life. Welcome back to the longest days of our lives, a 24 fan cast. I am one of your hosts, Jack Bauer, super fan Mike Cushing. And I'm another one of your hosts, 24 newbie Curtis Perry. And I am last, but probably, let's be honest, least, Michael Howard. Hey, don't you dare talk hey, like, about yourself like that. We we like yeah, you. Come on. <laughs> we like you. Our fan likes you. Yep. D- let's be honest. They're Talk here for you guys. Come on. Michael, no, you bring a certain flavor to this show that we would be lost without. Is, Come on. Is drunk a mm-hmm. flavor? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tzatziki? <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah, it's like a bit. Of, it's it's pretty bland, but this is a, a nice tang to it. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it, 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 it just it gets you through the meat, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> it's like and mayonnaise, just, but you put a little lemon in it. Yeah, and as long as there's not too much cucumber in it, I like it just fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, All right, fellas. Well, it is now the 5 p.m. hour in the first longest day of Jack Bauer's life. Um, just to do a quick recap, uh, last episode, Alexis Drazen just got stabbed real bad in his tummy after telling Elizabeth that he loved her. Hey, what did he get He's- stabbed by, by the way? A letter opener, we learned. Oh, weird. Uh, because I said it wasn't a knife, and you guys were like, no, totally a, totally a knife. It's a, it's an assassin's knife. Hey, hey, buddy. Yep. Hey, go fuck yourself. Mm. Yeah. Hey, Michael, mm-hmm. actually, no one likes you on this show. <laughs> <laughs> See? I, I knew it was coming. I knew it. Yeah. So, Alexis is dying. Uh, Jack just bluffed his way through a phone call to Drazen's phone, and he has a meeting with a man in a red ball cap in about 45 minutes to deliver an unknown amount of money for unknown services uh, <laughs> to a man who should know his face. Um, David Palmer just threw a temper tantrum at Jack for putting Elizabeth in danger. Uh, Kim now resides in the house of the anti-Kim, and Amnesiac <laughs> Terry now has a date with a briefcase full of dildos. Um, so it's 5 p.m. We open up with uh, C2 agents combing through Drazen's room looking for stuff, presumably that hamburger that he ordered. Um, Jack... Oh, shit, it, that never shows up, does it? We never see never the hamburger. Damn it. Yeah. Elizabeth is, Elizabeth is probably starving. <laughs> So Jack is covered in blood. He bursts she's in and tells him She's starving. Yeah. Hey, oh. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's famished. So anyway, uh, Jack bursts in and tells them that Drayson was leaving the room for a money drop, or leaving the hotel for a money drop, which means that there is money somewhere in this room or in his car, uh, and he wants it found, and he wants it found now. Uh, and he begins to walk out, and of course, David Palmer stops him uh, and angrily tells him that Elizabeth can't be held responsible for this. And I just... And so Jack just says, uh, Senator, I don't disagree with you. Unfortunately, we have video of her plunging a letter opener into a man's stomach. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of hard to get away from, especially especially because that man is kind of white-ish. Yeah, a little bit. So, um, he's Eastern European. He's okay. But see, here's the real problem. So when Jack committed a crime, like Trank gunning his boss in the leg, he made sure that he pulled the blinds to his office so that he couldn't be seen on camera. Exactly. Jack? Jack told Elizabeth exactly where all the fiber optic cameras were in the room. It's not his fault that she didn't have the forethought to add some ambiguity into how that letter opener found its way to Alexis's tummy. That's true. He basically uh-huh. gave her the instructions. Yeah. She just so, didn't follow him. That's on her. And, you know, she was in a, high, uh, a tense situation, so can't really blame her, but she is going to go to jail. Um, so Palmer's upset. He says, you got her into this. He is above a middle C, so please take a drink. Um <laughs> And so Jack, Jack kind of equivocates and says, no, sir, I did not get her into this. I did not ask her to stab Alexis Drazen. I misjudged her ability to handle the stress of this operation. And as I said before, I will do everything I can to help her. Which Jack said two important words, like this operation. She's like, yeah, maybe you should have like a PR intern in a like stealth <laughs> operation. Against a, you know, world-renowned assassin. Murderer. 
Yeah. Mm, he can't be that well renowned. He got stabbed by her. Yeah, that's true. Uh, well, his legend grows. Um, so <laughs> Palmer seems to accept that, and he he says he knows that Jack is trying to protect him. Um, so he leaves and says basically keep him posted. And then, um, well, Jack tells him to let us do our job. Sure, which no one has proven to be good at. Right? It's like because you're because you're good at it. Like why why should well, I let you do yeah, your job well, exactly? Well, he has to remind him there too. Who actually won? Uh, bitch out there still trying to kill him. Yeah. Uh, so you know, let us handle the business. Which, to be fair, at no point during the rest of this episode does anyone handle their business <laughs> and, <laughs> like a professional. Um, business is not done well. Yeah. So Palmer leaves, and a CTU agent finds some bearer bonds hidden in the bed or somewhere, and uh, Jack just says, "Oh, as good as cash and easier to move, guys." And, I don't know anything about bearer bonds, I, other than they're in Die Hard. Yeah, I I spent like a good hour falling down a rabbit hole of bearer bonds, yo. <laughs> I, I knew you would. Like, these things are buck wild, but mm-hmm. like in a financial way, which is not at all buck wild. But still, like, so bearer bonds have zero record when they're sold from person to person. They basically just have a record of it existing, and somebody okay. has it. But like, if you sell it to another person, you don't have to report that. You don't. You don't have to report up until like 1982. It was part of a tax exemption, so you didn't even have to like claim it on your taxes. So there's, they just had these bonds out there in the world that they knew that there was money out there, but not who had it. And if you like lit them on fire, they just ceased to exist. And then so it's like the. The Wikipedia article is like, oh, it's historically been the instrument of choice for money laundering, tax evasion, and concealed business. It's like, no fucking shit. You gave them an easy way to just have money without anyone knowing there was fucking money out there. Yeah, that's great. There's still $100 million in bearer bonds from the U.S. Treasury just out in the world. That unaccounted for? unaccounted for. Completely unaccounted for. Fuck, I can't wait to just buy a house one day and, like, tear down a wall and just find a briefcase full of bearer bonds. I'm going to be so rich, you guys. You find the story of the stupid dipshits with the, the, the ridiculously Yeah, uh, in Italy, they, like, had, they, cl- <laughs> yeah. they had $134.5 billion worth of fake bearer bonds, which I just said there was only $100 million outstanding. <laughs> sure. Um, and it was... Some of them were billion dollars. Yeah, it was, they had billion dollar ones and like hey, man, half shoot, million dollar ones. Shoot your shot, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the, the highest bearer bond that the U.S. Treasury ever uh, actually had was $10,000. But, you know, who's counting? Um, but this is getting a little bit deeper than I was going to. But apparently Italy, it was seized in Italy. And did you know that if a government seizes smuggled money and or securities at their border, that they're entitled to 40% of what they seized? So I'm starting to think... What is that in like the Geneva Convention? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. But I'm starting to think that Italy might have staged this trying to get 40% of $140 billion. We can't kill that taxes. Might as well build the U.S. for this counterfeit bear bonds. Um, Well... So now you Damn, guys all a- know more, way more about bearer bonds than everyone ever needed to know. Yeah, I'm excited because shit. How I'm trying to think back to Die Hard. Where, wasn't Hans Gruber trying to steal like a hundred million dollars worth of bearer bonds? All more? of them, apparently. He was, and then also remember in the movie Panic Room, starring Jodie Foster and Forrest Whitaker, <laughs> there were bearer bonds hidden in that panic room that they had to get to, and those two bitches actually hid in the panic room in which the bearer bonds yeah. were. <laughs> Well, yeah, and so but like, keep your safe separate separate from your, your <laughs> protecting you from murder. Room. It makes it makes more sense in Die Hard because 
until 1986, these things were still available when they went to like electronic only. So like Die Hard's in like 1989. So it's just like bearer bonds, probably people are aware of them. In 2001, like who's a, who, who was aware of bearer bonds in 2001? I guess just drug dealers and international assassins. Yeah, so all the international assassins watching 24. <laughs> no, I said, when I was a kid, I think I thought they were called Barabons. <laughs> like Yogi Barra? <laughs> yeah, so like Yogi Barra had some bonds out there that he had to buy. Well, <laughs> that w- I'd actually prefer that. Um, I will say, so Michael, now that I know what they are and like probably how difficult they are to like spend, the eventual like recipient of these Barabons is it makes no fucking sense uh so as we learned it's basically someone who works for the power company and like that guy sh- what is he what the fuck is he gonna do yeah, with fifty thousand dollars he's just gonna go to this bank and be like hey i found these like in, in 1989 like somebody could go to the bank and be like i have these bearer bonds and that would be like oh yeah of course you do because everyone had bearer bonds but in 2001 if you show up with fifty thousand dollars at your fucking bank like, oh, got crazy. You yeah, are- he showed up with his logoless red hat, <laughs> which everyone knows where to find those, uh, with his bearer bonds, and been been just just dead. Yeah. I'm not Did an it? accomplice to terrorism. No, I would, <laughs> don't yeah, worry. No. Not terrorist terrorism or drugs. Just normal so speaking, normal stuff. S- speaking of the money drop, um, Jas- Jack asks Nina if she knows where the meeting is happening, and she says, "Yeah, it's at a restaurant called California Plaza. It's about 20 minutes from here." Which just, Alexis was really leaving no time for cuddling, huh? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> he got right to business but he did well, get right to business I guess he tried to yeah, to make sure, yeah he was gonna get her, give her a hamburger and try to give her that dick that's not you gotta give he could be cramping happening there if you don't yeah you gotta wait, wait you gotta wait hour. at least 30 minutes <laughs> Before you anyway. go, before you go for a dip, if you know what I mean. Good lord. Uh, so uh, Nina asks Jack how he's going to pull this off, pretending to be Alexis, and Jack just says, "I don't know yet." And uh, some some agent walks past, and Jack just yells at him, and basically just takes his shirt. Uh, this dude is like four to five inches shorter. Jack. He's and, like, "Give me your shirt." Yeah. Like, there's no way to fuck that thing fits. Yeah, which by the way, Kiefer Sutherland is pretty short. We we uh, we looked this up earlier. He's no uh, Rothfuss Sutherland or whatever the fuck his name was. <laughs> Uh, so this guy, Jay, is, he must be like five. Th- um, yeah. so Nina says that she's gonna coordinate, she's gonna go with Jack to coordinate his backup. She walks out of the room and makes a call while Jack, uh, and Jay undress and swap shirts. Um, we cut to CTU. That's like the uh, fifth, that's like the fifth wardrobe change for, for Jack, yeah. by the way. Jack is such a diva. Mm-hmm. That changes all the time. Um, so Mason walks over to Tony and asks what, uh, he knows about, te- uh, Terry and Kim. Tony says that all they know is that the agents died protecting them. And Mason says, well, we have to find them. And he's alerted a task force over at District, uh, which those guys are probably dead. Um, and he tells Tony to call over there and see if they need anything and don't tell Jack anything, which Tony seems pretty uncomfortable with. Uh, and asks, like, well, what do you want me to do- tell him if he calls and asks about him? Uh, and just says, well, just put him through to me. Tell him you're working on something else. Um, so we cut to... God, he tra- Jack is going to trank the shit out of Mason so hard. I feel like he might make an upgrade yeah. uh, from Tranks after, at the end of this one. <laughs> um, so we cut uh, to Kim, Rick, and the Anti-Kim going through Dan's room. And uh, Anti-Kim asks what they're looking for. And um, Kim just says, whoever Dan was working for might have info about my mom. And essentially, they're just looking for Gaines's phone number, which Rick fucking has because mm-hmm. Gaines called him multiple times. Yeah. Um, so Kim just tells the anti Kim that whatever she finds, she's just going to bring to the police. Who about thirty five minutes ago she said she didn't trust the police. Um, anti Kim isn't happy about that, and then Rick isn't happy either. <laughs> says, "I thought you didn't trust the police." Guys, do you want to have your mind blown right now? I'd love to. 
I don't know why I saw this all of a sudden, thinking about Kim and Auntie Kim. So, you know, Kim's saying, we're going to go to the police, we're going to confess all this stuff, Auntie Kim's saying, can't do that, do this, keep everything quiet. Kim is wearing white. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Auntie Kim is wearing black. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm like, it looks like they're like the angel and devil <laughs> on this douche canoe's fucking shoulders, <laughs> saying like, we have to do the right thing. No, fuck that shit, commit crimes. <laughs> like, I, was just, I was just like, what in the hell is going on? Kim, first of all, is no way good. She's horrible. Auntie Kim is who you should listen to all the time. <laughs> yeah, always listen to Auntie Kim. Yeah, like, I, Curtis, I noticed that too. It's like, they, they went out of their way to make Auntie Kim uh, appear just like evil, like almost like she has black yep. hair, she has piercing, she has tattoos, her sh- her shirt is just like one sleeve and just like, and like she's always like lounging around seductively, like she's supposed to be this like succubus. And she's like, I don't know, she's kind of making sense. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, it, and most of the times, though, when you have the angel and the devil, I mean, the devil makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. He just, yeah. he's always telling you to do the fun shit. That will keep you out of jail. Yeah, yeah that will keep you out of jail and you have a good mm-hmm. time. Fuck, man. So, um, anyway, so Kim walks out of the room after telling, or Auntie Kim, rather, walks out of the room after saying that Dan's going to go ballistic when he finds out you've been going through her stuff. <laughs> and um, Kim just looks at Rick and says, you didn't tell her Dan's dead. <laughs> Well, I didn't want to freak her out. Plus, Dan's brother, Frank, is on the way, and I don't want him to know. He tells her not to say anything, and Kim just says, This is such a waste of time. We're never going to find anything. I don't even know why I came, which mm. no no one does. I I know why she came. Yo. Hey, yo. My immediate thought here, when I wrote this down, because I'm like, you know, back in this day, like, and even to t- TV today, brothers of bad people are either one of two human beings. They're either like a great, genuine person who are just confused by how their brother turned out this way, or they are the worst douchebag who are the reason that this asshole ended up this way. And I was like, I don't know which one Frank is going to be, but I'm going to guess it's the latter. <laughs> well, we well his be- name is Frank Mounts. No, so. it's actually it's actually uh, Frank Ardell, I think. They have different they last have different names. Different last names? Reason. Yep. Well, Ooh, weirdly enough. Is. Frank Mounts yeah. is a better name. Frank Mounts would have been a good name, but uh, we'll meet that rat goateed bastard in a little bit um so we cut back to the restaurant dr parslow is telling terry that she's married has a daughter named kim tells her that jack she and jack were separated about six months ago and we get our first tiny clock it is 506 please take a drink he says that's when we met uh tells her he's a very good friend who wanted to be a lot more but you were afraid to start a relationship and decided to go back to your husband you asked me not to call and i haven't um and since Terry doesn't remember anything, he says he needs to take her to a hospital to see a neurologist because he's a surgeon, can't do anything for her. Um, Terry obviously freaks out, does not want to go to a hospital. Uh, she says, I don't know why. I just don't want to. I know why. Um, <laughs> and Dr. Parzo just says, well, unreliable what if I just ex- narrator. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Parzo just says, what if I examined you here af- moments after saying he couldn't do anything because he's a surgeon? Uh, and In the middle she of says, a okay. Restaurant? Yeah, and it is 5 o'clock. This restaurant's got to be opening pretty soon, right? Maybe. Yeah, yeah it should be. Yeah. And it's certainly in a state where they shouldn't be doing medical examinations in it. I mean, it's not really, it's not really doing medical examinations. just like looking at her eyes like, saying she's, <laughs> she's got a concussion or something like that. I, don't, I just don't trust this fucker. Yeah, well, we'll find out. I, I, well, overall, so here's the thing. Let me get this straight. So you guys have been in this restaurant together enough that the manager knows your name and your phone number. Right, and you never went so far in a relationship. She at least gave this dude a handy. Mm. There is no way in hell he kept coming to this restaurant. It had to be at least minimum twelve times for the man to get to know you. Yep, like by name, knowing that you're a, an adulteress uh, at that point. Like, oh, they were separate. Unless, so never, but... like the only excuse is like he lives 
I don't know, above the restaurant or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, he knows her. Like, just, like, he kept coming. Like, okay, if you kept coming back with the rest of the restaurant with her, like, I'm sorry. You're just, you're a doctor, dude. I'm sure you got some women you could talk. Like, come on, do better. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> some, sometimes you get, you just get, get so deep in that friend zone. Wow. Right, just just wait. Aiken, not a pretty woman, but but come on, you know man. he's got the he's got the briefcase full of dildos, just ready, just waiting to be used. Just waiting. She gave him, she gave him a little bit. She gave him a ZJ. I'm not saying he got a ZJ, right? What's a ZJ? If you don't know, you can't afford it. So we cut back to the Palmer Suite. Uh, David is playing the recording of Carl Webb for Sherry and Mike Novak, and uh, Mike says, "I don't know what you think you got here, David." And David clears up the very obvious in case Mike wasn't listening to the recording, which he was, and says, it's a tape of Carl Webb admitting to everything he did. <laughs> so like, okay, good job, Dave. Yep. Um, so Mike gives uh, David, a senator, a basic uh, breakdown of you know the law and says, well, unless Keith was sanctioned by a court order, this is not evidence. Um, and David just says, well, I've been in politics long enough to know that if the media gets a hold of this tape, the truth will come out. Which, again, Michael, you mentioned. Keith admits to being involved in a, like a death on that yeah. thing, like not uh, Ferragamo. It's okay. like so. I don't. There. This is what I don't get. This whole storyline. I was I was explaining someone or explaining to someone about how we do this show, and I was like, "Oh yeah, the storyline's pretty great. First season's good, except there's this really weird storyline." And I started telling them the storyline about Palmer, and like. As I was explaining it to this other person, I realized how fucking absurd this is that it is the day of the California presidential fucking primary. Mm -hmm. He is literally under attack from assassins, like a cadre of assassins. Mm -hmm. This happened seven fucking years ago, and he is so intent on doing something about it today, like before the end of the day, like just wait till tomorrow like if you hand it over and then and then at some point he fucking puts it in a goddamn envelope and sends it to the da or to send it to the da like that's not gonna get there today like why do you have to have a press conference today just have a fucking press conference tomorrow you can wake up at six mm -hmm. goddamn a.m and have a fucking press conference mm -hmm. no no can't do it sorry <laughs> so so michael you're not wrong here's the thing i realized i realized this um watching this episode actually so you know how our current president <clears throat> has no moral compass mm. Right, David is the polar opposite of that. His moral compass is so fucked up that he believes that he needs to do the right thing all the fucking time. I have to get my son in jail. I have to. I have to try to call this doctor to make sure that he knows that I'm on his side. I have to get out of my car and get to his office to make sure that he's not dead by assassins. The dude can't fucking stop himself, right? I have to yell at Jack. He just he can't. He can't stop himself. He's that much of a goddamn Boy Scout. He's worse than Captain America. Once we start a comic podcast, we realize he's a giant dick. He is worse than that dude, and it's hard to do that. Curtis, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> off topic, yep. yes, you threw me a fucking curveball this week. I see you're watching Band of Brothers behind you. Mm. Not necessarily a Tom Hanks joint, but pretty much a Tom Hanks joint, you sly bastard. Tom Hanks fights Nazis on many fronts. <laughs> Unlike our current president, this man will fucking kill a Nazi via his, by his own hand or by the hand as a producer. Mm, well, they have to die. Well, fuck. That's well, really good. Speaking of things, yeah, that was that's a sly move. Because uh -huh, for a second, uh -huh. I thought it was Tropic Thunder, but it was like, nah, nah, that's <laughs> my boys. 
Well, anyway, so Terry, or sorry, Sherry tells David, today can't be about two things, Michael, to your point, that maybe wait till tomorrow, David. Um, it's either about securing the nomination or a political scandal. And if you, uh, if you do that, if you don't destroy the tape, you're going to bring down the entire Democratic Party. You're going to win today. You're going to be the party's candidate. And if you s- decide to self-destruct, it's going to take years for the party to cover. Um, that's and not how David, primaries work, though. They still have yeah. to, like, pick you at the Democratic National Conf- or, uh, Convention. Yeah. So, like, they there's probably a- wouldn't pick you. Yeah. So, David, there's multiple layers of idiocy in the next couple lines. Um, so, David says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why don't we let the electorate decide on that? Also, I don't <laughs> consider telling the truth self-destructive. Well, you're a dumbass. Um, and how bad will this be if someone else comes out with this in the first, like, comes out with this first, and I have to go on the defensive? Who's going to fucking come out with this? Nobody, nobody fucking knows that you and your idiot son. Just stop, David. Just fucking stop. <laughs> so all he really has to do, which Mike says in a moment, is tell Carl that he has the tape, and then you have mutually assured destruction. Like, you don't have to do anything. Um, so Sherry asks Mike what he thinks, and Mike just says, I've seen uglier stories kept under wrap. The only people who know about the tape are us and Keith, which there's a problem. Um, <laughs> said this would not be difficult to shelf. Clearly does not know Keith. Um, and How says, did besides, David Palmer make it this far in his life? So this next line, I don't understand. Like, so Mike just says, this is currency. Once you get into the, into the White House, this could protect you. And David, like a fucking dunce, just says, how? <laughs> um, which oh, I'm like, fuck. If you can't, if you can't see how, like, having this tape and, like, telling the people who set, like, Carl in motion about it doesn't protect him, like, no wonder he couldn't convince anyone to take action in Kosovo against Strazen. Like, he probably kept point- pointing to, like, Cincinnati on a map. Like, <laughs> Batman there. <laughs> yeah, my notes say, hey, asshole, you've got the Bilderberg group by the balls. How about you just use that <laughs> and get your shit done? Or, or you know what? Do what actually, and while I loved our, 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 our former president, just put your wife in charge. She's going to be better than this than you are. Mm-hmm. You're terrible. You're just not good enough. Yeah. You don't have any guts. <laughs> so, Mike says the most powerful men in the country won't be able to control you. Uh, David looks pensive, and we cut back to Jack and Nina. Jack is on the phone with Tony, saying that he needs to talk to Mason, who's not in his office. Um, so, Tony tells Jack that Mason is on the main floor, can't, but he'll transfer him over. Before he does, Jack asks him about Terry, and uh, Tony says, Yeah, I don't know. There, uh, No one's answering the phone, but I'll give you the number to the safe house, uh, and uh, you can call over yourself. So, Tony puts him on hold and goes to get Mason. And um, Mason... Um, Mason doesn't really follow along. Like, Tony wants him to just tell Jack, and uh, Mason just says, Listen, I don't know why this is so hard for you to understand. Jack is neck deep in investigation here. He has a job to do. Let's let him do it. When we get him back to a controlled environment, we can tell him the truth. <laughs> Meanwhile, we have a job to do, too. Uh, this isn't about right and wrong. It's about the fact that we have a priority to protect Palmer. How do we, how do we feel about Mason here? He looks like shit. He does look like I'm, shit. I'm starting to think he might be a little part of this. I mean, he was like, he was tranquilized in the leg very badly earlier. Gotcha. But that doesn't give you, that doesn't give you a five o'clock shadow. Oh, it is five o'clock. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> look, I look. Jack is going to flip his shit and murder everybody when he finds out that this was held from him. Yep. But I do have to agree with Mason that like Jack is a very volatile personality, and if you spring this on him right now, everyone gonna die. Probably people you don't want to die. Badly. It, it makes sense. I, guys, so I have, you guys know I have a, a two and a half year old who at that age, um, your your child is simply just trying to trip over and kill himself constantly, right? Jack has had Kim for 18 years, which is essentially like having a two year old for all those times, for, for every, for 16 years. And 
he, he like, he literally, if he knows she's in danger, he's going to have to run to her because she can't do anything. She can't even run with scissors. The girl can't be, can, you know, trust her to do anything right. So he's going to fuck up and I have to get to Kimberly because she's a goddamn idiot, guys. Yeah, well, I mean, his, he's like, look, I've managed to keep her stupid ass alive for 18 fucking years. If you ruin this for it's me, actually right? 15 or 16. <laughs> well, that'll come up later. Is, is she only 16? Are you fucking Wait, kidding what? me? Uh, there's a she might be as young as 15 possibly 17 uh, the novelization findings at CTU said she was 15 and let's not forget so Jack doesn't realize that Kim is the highlight but he's trying to do his best as a father anyway go on wait she's she's only supposed to be 15 <laughs> that's fucking creepy as shit Rick is a college student that comes up later I was gonna bring it up later but you guys oh. kept saying 18 I had to yeah um, anyway so oh. Jack Jack tells <laughs> Jack tells Mason that he's on his way to a uh, meeting with Drazen to make a payoff, uh, though they're not sure who's he gonna, who he's going to be paying. And uh, Mason correctly worries that Jack is never going to be able to pull that off. Um, and Jack just says, you got to work with me on this. Jack was supposed to pay someone $50,000 in bear bonds. I need backup. Milo has the address. We should be there in about 15 minutes. Uh, you know, if we keep this guy in play, we have a chance of bringing these guys down. Um, so Did you say Jack bear bonds or bear bonds? Barrel, barrel bonds. Bear, bear bonds? Barrel bonds? So Mason agrees to send Jack a team, and Jack asks him to give him back to Tony so he can get passion into the safe house. And Mason just tells Jack that he spoke to Paulson, who said the ladies are just taking a nap. And uh, Jack says, uh, well, call my cell when they're up. And he, he thanks George. And uh, they hang up. Um, no, he says, he says, he says, yeah, the girls are <laughs> <laughs> And yeah. Jack buys that stellar yep. line. He just um, so he hangs up. Jack tells Nina that Mason is on board. Uh, she says, that's good. And we cut to commercial. It's 512. We come back. It's 516. Uh, you see in a split screen that Kim is still ripping through Dan's room. We cut to a big SUV with Jack and Nina. And he's asking her what else Terry said about the extramarital bone zoning. And um, basically, Nina just didn't say much. She guessed that uh, you'd be seeing me. She didn't want to talk about it. So I, le I left and just let Paulson do the brief. Um, and she says, Jack, from what I could see, she really loves you and wants to work it out. Maybe you should just call her now and see how she's doing. <laughs> she's like, well, I tried, but Mason said they were asleep. So why don't you call Paulson and see if they're up yet? Uh, she calls and the call doesn't go through. Okay. And jump in real quick. She tries to call Paulson theoretically on us on his cellular telephone mm -hmm. and it doesn't go through. Not that well, like Jack's no one answers. Yeah. Jack says it might be the area they're in. We'll just try again later. Yeah. But like, I'm starting to think that there are some different rules in the CTU universe, the 24 universe. Like maybe when you die. Your cell phone dies with you. Well, so my theory, oh, again, on. was that Yovan just cleaned the phone so well. <laughs> say, you don't, don't forget the cleaner was near him, okay? When the cleaner's near your phone, it's fucking done. You just yeah. have magnets. Right? He just runs it, magnets like, over all the bodies. It's like your phone never existed. It's <laughs> how good he is. Um, so uh, I'm going to run through this next bit. So Tony walks up to Mason's office and asks for some extra agents to track down Terry and Kim. Uh, Mason just says, I don't know, Tony, I don't see anyone doing crossword puzzles down there, which I still wonder where Rayburn is. Um, and, uh, Tony just says, look, my hands are a little tied here, tied without Nina around, okay? Um, and Mason just basically mm. is like, he just sticks the screws to Tony about Nina being with Jack and not him. Um, and he's just like, no, oh, that's because Nina's with Jack, right? She says it's over between them. What do you think? You gotta be wondering that yourself. 
And uh, Tony's not too happy with it. And uh, Mason's like, hey, man, I'm on your side. Nina should be here right now. What does Jack need her for? You're here busting your ass with no resource. She felt like taking a ride with him. That work for you? Um, God damn, he is. In the middle of this, don't forget, in the middle of this, Tony had a really nice, yeah. Yeah. Got a drink for you. So, uh, Tony's just like, you know what works for me is you keeping your, keeping yourself out of your, my personal business, okay? And, um, Mason just basically is like, there's a little too much personal business going on on here, and I mm-hmm. think Nina Myers is a big part of the problem in this place, which I don't really disagree with. No, he got that one right no. on the nose. Yeah, Nina's vagina seems to be an issue in this office overall, mm-hmm. which is drawing my suspicion a little bit towards Nina being maybe a honeypot or but let's keep going. Okay. Go ahead. Well, um, well, yeah, so they have a little bit of a standoff. Uh, Tony says, I don't think that's the problem here. I don't think that's relevant. Well, Mason just says, well, I do. And uh, we cut to the Palmer <laughs> suite. We get a tiny clock at 519. Uh, please take a drink. We see David through a window on the balcony, which... Guys, he has an agent with him, but what in the literal fuck is the Secret Service doing allowing David on a balcony after a sniper has already shot him? Right. Not that high of a floor either. Yeah. Let's be honest here. Like, that's just fucking perfect. Yeah. (laughs) It's unreal. Um, So he turns and he sits down at a table uh, in front of what looks to be about four fingers of bourbon um, (laughs) or a very short glass of tea with no ice. Um, And uh, Keith runs out onto the balcony and says, uh, Patty said you want to talk to me. Um, and David has him close the door and basically just wants to make sure that Keith, um, understands what he's up against once they go to the DA with this recording. And, um, basically says, you know, we're going to the press with a story about some bad men committing murder and trying to frame you, but they're ultimately going to shift the attention to you and your, invi- your involvement with Lyle Gibson's death. They're going to make this about you. Um, you'll be a cri- accused of a crime you did not commit. He's like, kind of committed it. Um, it's like, can you live with that? And uh, they kind of patch things up. Keith apologizes to David uh, for saying he wasn't there, which David was like, no, nah, really, I wasn't there, which <laughs> I props to David for admitting that. You know, um, yeah. He says, you're like, you're not that shitty. So he's, like, he's like, it's not and true. Like, like, I'm not kind of shitty. Yeah. Keith just says, I just told myself you weren't there to blame you for my screw up. I was like, your dad kind of blows my man. He's trying to. He's been trying to send you to jail for literally the whole day. Um so they kind of once uh, again. Why is this happening right now? Literally, nothing is going to happen differently between now Michael, and fucking Michael. eight hours from now. Because because David is horrible. Chip off the old block. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I feel like David has to be doing this stuff because it's only a matter of time before Keith like j- like hires a skywriter <laughs> to like write in the sky. It's like I killed the dude, <laughs> but like I don't understand. Like, but why does Keith want this to get out now? He like. Yes, he's like, oh, I live with it for seven years. So live with it for seven fucking years in a goddamn no, day, Keith. He has the same, he has the same moral compass his father does. Once he realizes that he's done, wrong. but like, I get David. Like, he just found out about it today, so it's like super important. Well, because, oh, because no, Keith has some of Sherry in him, so he was like, I'm gonna hide it until it becomes clear that it's really wrong. That's like, oh. Oh, it's fucked up? Okay, I should turn myself off. It's like neither of you heard Keith say that Ferragamo was the only one who was there for him 18,000 goddamn times. <laughs> Were none of you listening? <laughs> I just, um, like, what, and what, what is happening in Keith's mind? Like, they go to the DA on Tuesday at 5 o'clock in the, in the evening, and he goes, yeah, okay, cool. I'm going home. 
because I work for the state and I don't get paid overtime. So I'm going to go home. I'm going to deal with this tomorrow at 8 a.m. Why are you guys fucking bringing this to me now? Yeah. Hey, can I wait till I've had my coffee tomorrow to take down the Illuminati? Because I'm, <laughs> you know, it's it's been a day. Oh, and, oh yeah. Uh, like, and then there's like, what does he think? Like, as soon as the DA sees it, like that, the grand jury's just there. And then like the trial happens and everyone goes to jail tomorrow. Like, what the fuck? Action needs to be taken. Mm-hmm. Um. So we cut to Andre being driven through L.A. He's calling Yovan to see if uh, he has heard from Alexis. Said he hasn't. Uh, and Andre tells Yovan that Alexis is supposed to be meeting uh, a man named Morgan, who we can assume is the red cap guy, in about 20 minutes. So I need to talk to him. Um, we cut to Yovan, who's walking through a wooded area by his red jaguar. And he says, look, I don't know, Andre. I have my own pro- situation to, to deal with. Uh, which Andre intuits that it's finding and killing Terry and Kim. And he tries to give Yovan some advice, like searching hospitals, for instance, which, to be fair, has worked for them in the past. Um, and Yovan just says, I don't need any help. I'll find them and kill them. You have my word. Um, and Andre just says, calm down and don't tell me not to worry. Just tell me how you intend to find them. And Yovan has a moment of quiet reflection and then announces that he's going to go to the Bauer house and wait for someone to show up. Uh, and he hangs up and gets in his Jaguar and... Guys, I gotta say, the only way that would work is if someone had amnesia and wanted to go back to their house. (laughs) That's literally the only way that plan would work. Well, I don't know. I mean, like, maybe he knows he has a little intel about Kim. He's like, well, she's stupid. (laughs) (laughs) She might go back to the house. Yeah, because Kim doesn't have amnesia. She wants to go back to that fucking house a little bit. (laughs) So this actually comes up in a moment. So we cut to the Auntie Kim's house. She's looking worried as Kim walks out of Dan's room. We get a, a tiny clock. It's 522. Um, Kim apparently tried to call her Aunt Ethel, uh, but no one knows where Terry is. So, um, the Auntie Kim tells Rick that they have things to do and Kim has got to go, which Rick apparently doesn't know that Frank is on his way to conduct a drug deal. And Kim gets up to leave, but Rick stops her. Auntie Kim gets upset and they stalk away after throwing the bead curtain in Rick Stum's face, which... There are bead curtains everywhere in this house. This one was between the kitchen and the living room. It just, I honestly don't know. It reminds me of the, uh, the I don't remember which comedian he is, but he talks about how like it's hard to get angry when you're camping because you can't slam the, the tent flap. Yeah. You zip it angrily. Like That's the problem with bead curtains. You can't slam the door in someone's face. You, I mean, you could throw bead curtains at Rick's face because I mean, that's what can, happens here. But it just it loses a little bit of its, of its uh, you know effectiveness, I feel sure. like. Sure. So, I find the scene is hilarious because they show, uh, you, uh, uh the old triple beam scale mm-hmm. to, 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 to elaborate that they're, that, that they're going to be doing some drug sales, which would be effective if they were doing things like cocaine or heroin, but we'll find out why, um, the scale is horseshit <laughs> late in the episode. Yeah. Uh, but we get drugs. That scale's only for drugs. Well, and it's and covered, yeah. it's covered in white powder. Powder, yeah. which is, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I thought neatly cocaine. Get there, y'all. Let's, yeah, we'll get there. See. Well, I mean, to be fair though, you can buy ecstasy nope. in powder form. Nope, nope. Spoiler nope. alert. No. Spoiler alerts, buds. Well, I'm gonna cut that out, Michael. You <laughs> fool. Um. So Rick asks him where she's gonna go, and apparently the Bowers have a rally point in case of emergency. Uh, she says that they have a park that uh, they were gonna meet up, and she's like, maybe my mom is there. And Rick says, apparently not having been awake for the last 18 hours, says, well, why don't you go to your your house? <laughs> And Kim, showing actual insight and forethought, says, uh, no, the people after us probably know where I live. If she's safe, she won't go there. Um, Rick, uh, Kim asked to borrow Rick's car, and we finally learn that the Auntie Kim's name is Melanie, 
which is much easier for me to say, so that's great. Um, we learn that because we learn that it's her car, not Rick's, and uh, Kim is very upset. Um, but Rick just tells, wait a minute, he goes to grab some cash and tells her where she can grab a cab. And Kim, once again, asks her to come with him, or asks him to come with her, because she's a big dum-dum. Um, and so... Kim, they have a moment and she just says, I wish we had met before, before this. You know, back, back when you were just a simple college dropout surfer boy and I was still a 15 or possibly 16 year old high school student. And Kim just says, I wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for you. And guys, search me, but at no point did Rick do anything to save her life, right? No. 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 Didn't, didn't. You know who did? Terry. Mm-hmm. Terry. Yep. Your mother saved your goddamn life. Stupid, yep. stupid, stupid little I mean, he, like, he thought about it a couple times. I guess he brought the van. He gave them the gun that didn't work. Right. That's about and it. He, like, he the tried. van that one time. That's about it, though. I guess he gave Janet heroin. <laughs> I was gonna say. He gave her some sweet horse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, giving Janet heroin was probably, like, the only kind thing that Rick has done the entire day. Mm. And I, I guess he didn't have sex with her in the furniture shop. That's a good point. So, And he does all the whole for them. Yeah, so what a, what a gentleman. Oh, and um, he's like 25 or some shit. It's like so, 15. A piece. Just, what, what, like, just, and they start having this bullshit heart-to-heart conversation. You can hear, you can hear a vehicle. I don't know if it's a bike or a car. <laughs> yeah. Up in the driveway. So Just fucking leave. So we hear, <laughs> yeah, we hear a large engine approaching in the background as Rick says, you wouldn't be in trouble if it wasn't for me. And Kim just says, that's not true. Dan would have found someone else. Implying that Rick is a useless pawn who's mm-hmm. imminently replaceable. Um, to be but, fair, though, uh, Dan would have found someone else. Yeah, fair. Um, but uh, Kim doesn't see that. Uh they smooch, uh, mm-hmm. and they're interrupted as some dude with the world's rattiest goatee walks in the back door, takes a bite of an apple in Rick's face, and asks him how la- last night went, because he looks like shit. Hey guys, it's Frank. We met Frank, our good friend Frank. Mm-hmm. Stan's brother mm-hmm. Frank. Um, so he walks past them into the living room, and he throws the quarter-eaten apple onto the couch and just starts <laughs> shouting for Dan, so we know he's real cool. Um, <laughs> my, my, my theory is proven correct. I knew, okay, he's a giant dude. I get it. Thank you. Mm. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Um, so makes me Rick never want to eat apples again. And never again. Look, look at the kind of assholes who eat apples. Mm-hmm. Frank, oh, no, man. Frank well, eats delicious. apples. Freshly picked honey crisp. Michael, sounds real good, right? Well, Kim, uh, <laughs> Rick tries to shuffle Kim out of the door to go catch a cab on Fourth, but uh, Frank stops her and just says, uh, "She's not going anywhere. My brother's not here. My money's not here. I don't know her. We've got business going down in, in, in half an hour. And until Dan gets back with the money, nobody leaves." Um, and presumably he's talking about a drug deal, so why wouldn't you want a teenage stranger present for that? Um, <laughs> to see everything that's gonna happen. Yeah. Um, so Kim just looks at Rick stunned, which is, this is why you don't kiss people. You just get trapped in drug well, houses. So here, here's my thing, though. So, so Frank makes it pretty obvious that he knew about the deal that Dan set up to get this money. Mm-hmm. So he, he must know that at some point his brother had to kidnap a high schooler, and mysteriously... Here's Rick. <laughs> with a high school, with a high schooler, just in the house. Probably random, nothing. Random, random high school I don't know, and I don't have my money. What the fuck could have happened here? And, we're, and, and no brother. Probably, probably unrelated. I don't know. I feel like maybe Dan just didn't tell Frank what how he was going to get the money or what he was doing because Frank probably would have no, been like, bullshit. "That's stupid as shit." No, I think Frank had to set this up and send his dipshit brother to get to do it. Rick can't. I mean, sorry, Dan can't plan this. You well, so Dan, Dan didn't plan it. This was all Kevin. Uh, we learned earlier that Kevin recruited Dan to do all this and said that he'd earn $50,000. Probably via Frank. Yeah. 
Let's be honest. No, he so, probably had an on-campus recruiting event at the old uh, the old college no, so there. We actually talked about this. So Kevin, former DA agent, he had busted Dan, I believe. Uh, this is all yeah. in the findings at CTU. Uh, he had busted Dan. And <laughs> is this why it uh, took you so long to watch the episode because you were reading a novelization of the <laughs> season? I haven't read. I need, I need to read it. Fuck, I need to. Um, but yeah, but basically, we learned that uh, from his DA days. Kevin knew of Dan, uh, and that he could be, uh, kind of blackmailed a little bit. So he recruited Dan specifically to be a lackey for gains. Uh, and then Dan presumably told Frank about the money. And then Frank decided they were going to do drug deals with it, which I can't imagine is going to go well. We'll find out, I think, next episode. <laughs> but, um, we cut to five commercial. It's 525. We come back. It's 530. We have a split screen where Andre tries speed dialing Alexis once again. David is pacing on the balcony. Uh, Terry's looking confused, and we cut to uh, the cal- outside of the California Plaza where Jack and Nina are riding up an escalator as she walks them through the tactical plan, where hidden teams will be, all that stuff. And uh, Jack gets a call from Mason, who tells him that someone named Teddy Hanlon is running backup, and Jack doesn't seem very pleased by that. We get a, a damn it, George, how can you let this happen? So please drink for that, damn it. And uh, Mason just says, I'm sorry, I just found out that Division made the assignment. Um... Jack tells Nina she also doesn't seem too thrilled about it and asks if that's someone named Campbell's old partner. Um, so upon learning this news, Jack does the only sensible thing and calls the safe house to make sure Terry and Kim are all right uh, before this gets started. And he says, no one's picking up. Are you sure this is the right number? Um, and before they can get into it, Nina tells Jack to look forward because at the top of the escalator we, is someone we must assume is Teddy Hanlon. And he says, hey, Jack, I haven't seen you since you put my old partner away. Um, and I'm guessing that Campbell was one of those dudes that, uh, that Jack, Jack turned in on his own team. Yeah, so we'll learn a little bit. Actually, no, uh, findings at CTU tells me a little bit more. I'll go into, <laughs> I'll go into Seth Campbell in a little bit. But, um, yeah, that's what I, that's what I assumed. And Nina walks past and tells Teddy not to start. And Jack asks him if his teams are in place. She says, yeah, Jack, we're not up here shopping for doctors, <laughs> or dockers. Uh, I heard you really screwed up today. I guess some people have connections and don't get spanked when they break the law, huh? Mm. And all I can say is this guy is not going to enjoy the next seasons of the, the next seven seasons of this show because Jack breaks the law pretty frequently. <laughs> so, Spoilers, Brett. Yeah, sorry, yeah. bud. Sorry, bud. Um, Jack, throughout this entire rest of the episode, keeps his cool and just tells Teddy that the guy they want is wearing a red baseball cap, and that's all we know. I'm going to stay visible and draw him to me. No one make a move until I give the word. Is that clear? And Teddy just like basically says like, yeah, just, you know, make sure you stay still. I wouldn't want you getting shot in the crossfire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he basically told Jack, like, I'm going to shoot you, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. So Nina tells him to get his shit together and then get in position. And uh, as Teddy goes to follow follow her, Jack grabs his arm and puts his mouth hauntingly close to his ear and just tells him, I don't want a problem on this, Teddy. Okay? And Teddy just stares dead ahead and walks past Jack, and Jack looks pensive. Um, you guys, do you guys think Teddy's gonna be a problem? Things gonna be just going just fine. No? Yeah. Might be an issue. Yeah. Yeah. So we. I like these named Teddy. Yeah. You know. Yeah. They're good. They're good little guys. This one maybe not so much. Um, <laughs> we cut back to CT real quick. Um, Tony tells Mason that LAPD spotted a woman matching Terry's description wandering around Griffith Park, which is uh. Not far from the safe house, but she she has since disappeared, which I guess no one bothered to investigate the car that exploded a lot and left a massive smoke column, no, but no, that's fine. no one knows about that. 
Um, so Mason just says, I'll get on the satellite uplink for something. And he tells Tony, and we learn that Tony has dispatched an agent named Williams to the Bauer house. He should be there in a few minutes. <sighs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He did. Yeah. Poor be, that's what I said. Williams is dead because Yovan is headed to the Bauer house. Well, so yeah. you going to get pooned. Yeah. <laughs> get, getting pooned real bad. Um, so we cut back to the restaurant. It's a tiny clock. It's 533. Please take a drink. Dr. Parslow is inspecting Terry's shoulder for injuries in the in the wine cellar, you see? Sure. <laughs> Which, again, this place has got to be opening soon. I am but, never uh, eating at this place. No, absolutely not. Um, but he says, I don't like what I'm seeing. It looks like you've been rough, roughed up by someone. But uh, there's no evidence of a head injury. Um, and you know, she, he asks if you're in any other pain. And Terry kind of grabs her stomach and... He basically just tells her, I think you have dissociative amnesia, which can happen to someone after an intense emotional trauma. Uh, we need to get you to a hospital to figure things out. And Terry, again, just freaks out and just, I don't want to go. I can't explain it, but I have a gut feeling it's mm-hmm. going to be dangerous. I don't want to go. And even she has like a, Terry is smart. Yeah. So he, he, she has like a mini breakdown and he tries to grab her. Um, and says, it won't be dangerous. I'll be there the whole time. Let's go. And he, he tries to tell her that they can't stay because. The neural damage could become permanent, which, as far as I looked it up a little bit, mm-hmm. not really how dissociative amnesia works, because it's nope. there's no, like, brain damage. It's just yeah. emotional trauma. Um, <laughs> so, sorry. Sorry, homie. Um, so, he tells her he's not going to take her to the hospital. Um, they hug, and she just asks him to take her home, which, uh, whoopsie doodles. Uh, that's not going to be great. Um, okay, so, this next scene, I'm just going to run through all this a little real quick. So, Hey, guys, real quick, yeah. though. So this guy knows where she lives, and yet still has got nothing. Yeah. Just saying. Just saying. He wanted to be more than friends. Uh, maybe they had a nice dinner at Terry's fuck house. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> at Shea Bauer. <laughs> at Shea Handjob. Mm. <laughs> um, so we cut to the Palmer suite. We see Sherry is on the phone with someone in New York getting poll numbers, and we learn that David seems to have won the New York primary and is performing well all over the country. Um, as we see this, uh, David is talking to his aide Patty in the background and he hands her a manila envelope and, uh, Sherry keeps talking on the phone. David walks outside and, you know, presumably this contains the recording of Carl Webb because, um, Sherry sees Patty take the envelope into the other room and through a mirror sees her put it in the hotel safe. And, uh, Patty walks out and then we hear Sherry tell the person on the phone, Jerry, that she's got to run. Um, and she walks into the bedroom, closes the door and opens the safe. Do all hotels have safes hidden behind pictures? Usually they're just in the closet. Right? Because like, I feel like anyone who's ever stayed there would know where the safe is. Right. Um, but so we see that the envelope is addressed to the district attorney and Sherry grabs it out of the safe. And it's like, it's like propped up. Perfectly, yeah. so you could see it. So I gotta tell you, I expected David to like be perched on the window, so like a <laughs> shitty Batman, and just be like, "Aha, I got you! I knew you would do this to me." Yeah, which uh, isn't too far from the truth, but he's not there. But as soon as uh, Sherry has the opens the safe, pulls out the envelope, Patty walks back in, and apparently Jerry is back on the line, even though Sherry just hung up with him. And um, Jerry just says, I'm busy, Patty. Tell him I'll call him back. And Patty walks out after seeing the safe open. Uh, she must have known what was up. Um, but Sherry opens the envelope, pulls out the tape, and we see her turn it over it in her hands very pensively for a few minutes. And then she reaches up and slowly closes the painting back over the safe. We cut to commercial. It's 357 or 537. We cut back. It's 541. And we see Terry or sorry. God, can't talk. We see Sherry's just still on the sofa. 
Dr. Parslow is driving Terry somewhere. Frank is muttering to himself about Dan while Brick and Kim chill on the couch. It's about four minutes until Jack is supposed to meet with the man named Morgan. And um, we zoom back to the Palmer suite. Sherry is sitting on the sofa and David walks in and goes to open the safe. And uh, Sherry distracts him by saying that she heard that David and Keith had had a talk. And I don't know, David just says like he tries to like bring Sherry into this thing by saying like we, we're putting Keith in a hard place here by going to the DA and Sherry's, Sherry's not having it. <laughs> It's like, nah, yeah, no, this this is on you, buddy. Yeah, it's all your fault. Like, I have a few problems with this tape situation because, like, Terry falls for, like, the worst, just the worst trick ever. Yeah, so what do we learn about the tape? So Palmer opens a safe, sees that the tape or the, uh, the envelope is missing, and he acts incredulous about it. And then he looks over at Terry, or <laughs> Terry. Now I'm doing, you got me doing it now, Sherry. And basically. He looks over at, at Seath. Yeah, at <laughs> and, and she tells him, I destroyed it. And we find out that this was a decoy tape, that this was a fake tape, and he was pulling the old loyalty test yeah, on he, Sherry. And like, yeah, and he like acts super angry and just like he's taping, taking like deep breaths and like does like finger guns at her with like the steepled fingers. And then he just says, it breaks my heart that I was right. Oh, God, this <laughs> go fuck. Go, just go fuck yourself. Yeah. You just, uh, okay, but besides no. that, besides that, if you were sending a piece of incriminating evidence, a piece of evidence at all that was on tape, would you not make a copy of it before you put it in the U.S. Postal Service? Like, what if it just got just lost in the it. mail? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think he was just going to walk it over. Either way, the though, D- like, why would you not make a copy in case the DA just, like, spills coffee on it or something? Or, like, you walk near a magnet. Right. Like, <laughs> like, why would you not make a copy of the most important tape in the world? And she just thinks that, like, that's the only copy? Come yeah. on now. Yeah, this is all. And so David just, he looks sad. And then, like, so he pulls the real tape out of his, his shirt pocket and just... I've learned that I don't know you as well as I thought I did. I had to see just how far you were willing to go to save your kid from going to jail. Yeah, go fuck yourself, you stupid-ass fucking boy scout. Yeah. Your wife did what a mother would do. Your son killed a rapist asshole who raped her daughter, and now she doesn't want him to go to jail. Guess what, dipshit? She's gonna do whatever she has to do to stop him going to jail. Which Period. Is, yeah, End of story. That's what she says. She's being a mother. You're that's exactly shit. what she says. And he backs away from her looking disgusted by that for some <laughs> reason. And uh, he walks out and tells Mike Novak that he wants him to set up a press conference right now. And Mike just says, oh, I've got one in less than three hours. And David says, I want one within the hour downstairs in the hotel so nothing can interfere with what I'm going to say. Which I got to assume something's going to interfere with that shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, before like maybe voting, an assassination. Before voting stops. Yeah, before voting closes, please let me blow up my campaign. Um, so he, he walks angrily through the hotel. Sherry closes the door and we cut to Jack who opens up the silver briefcase with the bearer bonds inside and pulls out a tiny earpiece, which he throws up in his ear hole and he walks out into the plaza. Uh, he does a radio check, uh, and fucked well, up. Hey, so watching Jack do his thing, um, and then him talking to Teddy and Teddy kind of, I'm talking back to Jack about what he's doing. I realized him about CTU. They're really bad at setting up covert operations. Yeah. Uh, Jack is just out in the open doing his shit. Teddy is literally visible and conspicuous as a sniper. Mm-hmm. He has no, like, hat on. He's just out. Just fucking big-ass rifle out. Jack no is talking deal. to himself while staring Teddy dead into yep. the windows of his soul. Yep, it's great. Teddy, Teddy's just not trying to hide at all. He's not in the window. He's not behind. He just 
So there's, look, there's plants here. So I'm good on this balcony. We're, we're cool. We're just it, in the middle it, of it, an outdoor work. mall. And who, who cares if somebody sees me with a sniper rifle? Yep, I'm wearing black in the middle of the daytime. We're good, right, guys? It's okay. I'm invisible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Teddy's hair is shiny enough to just, like, have the sun reflect off of it. People have a glint of, oh, is that a sniper? Oh, it's a sniper roof. Just pointing right at my face. While, while Teddy is sitting in his flower pot and Jack is staring directly at him, um, we have a tiny clock. It's 545 uh, and 17 seconds, which means Jack is 17 seconds late for his fucking meeting, <laughs> which I was always told if you're, you're not early, you're late. Um... Especially when you're trying to catch a terrorist. Um, so just to describe this scene beyond the, the flower pot and Jack's little thing, we're in like an outdoor restaurant space. There are a lot of metal tables with some bright umbrellas. There are shops and fountains and tons of people running around with kids with water guns, all that stuff. Um, so all of this is just bad. Like no one can do their job. <laughs> yeah, like they didn't do, they didn't even try to like maybe clear people out while they have snipers just surrounding the area. Um, God, and then Teddy's just like, he's just like laying it all out on an open channel. Yeah. So he starts hassling Jack a little bit and Nina tells him to calm down. We're working. And, um, uh, so Teddy just like, uh, yeah, nothing's going on. We're just, you know, we don't get to talk since we're both so busy. Um, Jack, <laughs> did you hear about Seth Campbell's w- wife, Judy? She hung herself, which causes Jack again to stare directly at Teddy in shock while touching his earpiece, mm-hmm. which, yeah, Michael, like, I think you mentioned if, <laughs> If I was, like, a a guy who is, like, dropping money to terrorists, like, I would definitely be on the lookout for people touching their ears and, like, staring at, like, directly at a sniper. <laughs> yeah, like, I might I might show up at the place a little early and just, like, scope it out a smidge. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like, you know? The guy arranged to meet at 545. Like, Jack barely got there on time. Like, yeah, why, would he, why would he be there early? I, I gotta read my notes for Beta. Yes, please. After I saw Jack touching his earpiece talking to Teddy, this is what I wrote. Jesus tap dancing Christ. Can anyone just do their jobs at CTU? No, because mm. it's uh, you're you're discussing your crooked partner being busted by your boss mm. and your crooked partner's wife hanging herself on an open channel yep. during a terrorist sting operation yeah. to try to stop a presidential candidate from being assassinated. Mm-hmm. And by, by the way, during Sweet all this, Jesus, just do the job. So t- uh, Teddy <laughs> has a sniper rifle, and like during this entire exchange. <laughs> At no point is he looking through the scope. Like he, nope. he's not surveying the scene at all. All he's uh, the only time he looks through it is to aim it at Jack and like look like he wants to shoot him. Um. So yeah. So his wife Judy hung herself. Um. And he says, "Yeah, it happened a couple weeks ago. Guess you didn't get the ne- memo. It was a real tragedy. She didn't even leave a note. Must have thought it was obvious since she was trying to raise four kids with a husband in prison and no pension. All because you busted him for lying in his pocket with a few extra dollars, Jack. Um." And so he makes it seem, and, like, we're meant to, like, think that it was one of the like, the agents who was, like, uh, were taking bribes or whatever, or taking money off the top, like, earlier in this episode, or earlier in the season. Um, but apparently, again, according to findings at CTU, um, Seth had just accrued massive gambling debts and took a bribe from some unrelated party to cover those debts, <laughs> and then also lost that money, and Jack busted him for taking the bribe. So it's, like... I don't know what this guy expects. <laughs> I, mean, I also the guy was... find it odd, like, if Teddy was so close to his partner that he would be this upset that he got busted, you didn't know anything about this? Like, he seems yeah. to be just incriminating himself on an open channel, basically. Right. So, um, Jack just says, hey, man, I'll be more than happy to sit down and talk with you about it later. Um, <laughs> and uh, Nina pulls out her phone after Teddy... Uh, 
appears to be positively itching to shoot Jack in the back. And she calls Mason to tell him what's going on. And uh, Mason has Tony patch him into their radios and just says, Yeah. Hanlon, if you have a problem with Jack, bury it. You realize how many agents we've lost today? Which I think it's nine so far. (laughs) Um, You're in an uncontained environment, so get on the same page now and get back to work. And that seems to cool Teddy down a little bit. And uh, Jack begins walking around calmly and resuming the search for Red Hat Guy. Um, And we cut to casual. It's 548. Yeah, got smacked down by your boss in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so we come back, it's 5.53, We in the split screen we see that Jack is still wandering around, Sherry is still sitting on the same sofa, Not has not moved, Rick and Kim are still chilling on the same couch, staring at Frank, mm-hmm. and um, we hear Frank tell someone on the phone that it's cool, he'll be here. And um, we cut to Yovan approaching the Bauer house on foot, he uh, sees the alarm system armed through the front door, so he just kind of peeks through the windows with his gun drawn. And uh, then he hears a car approach and a door shut. So he runs around the side of the house to hide in some bushes. And we see Agent Williams approaching uh, the house. And uh, he's uh, walking up to scope the place out. And mm. uh, Jovan s- peeks at his ride through his binoculars just to confirm that he is a government agent. And Because um, if he wasn't a government agent, he wouldn't have pooned him in the Yeah, night. I guess. Um, <laughs> but so uh, we see Williams start to walk towards the tree that Jovan is hiding behind. But before he gets there... Uh, we cut to Dr. Parcel driving Terry through town in his SUV, and uh, Terry asks him if this is her neighborhood. He says, not quite, but we'll be there soon. Um, so we cut back to uh, to Dan's house. Frank is on the phone, and we get a tiny clock. It's 5.55. Please take a drink. Um, and Frank is telling whoever's on the phone that Rick told him that Dan and he got separated, but Dan will be there soon because he knows that we need the cash by 7. And uh, he hangs up, and Kim asks Rick what's going to happen when Dan doesn't show up. <laughs> um, and this, this whole exchange is so, is so stupid. stupid. Yeah. This is an after-school's goddamn special, <laughs> yeah. what happens right now. Like, it's ridiculous. He tries to just turn his moral heart straight for stone Kim, Yeah. Kim tells him, you have so much going for you. You're smart, good-looking, and funny. So how did, how did you end up like this? So, and Rick's yeah. just like, I'm doing all right. <laughs> But like, have y'all seen okay. the, have y'all seen the help? It's you is smart, <laughs> you is fun, and you is a good person. But so like, there are two <laughs> things wrong with it with that list. First of all, smart, <laughs> yeah, no, objectively not. Good looking, sure, I'll get that it works out. Funny, yeah. like, what in the fuck has he said in the entire time? He was your kidnapper, and then he was a errand boy for a terrorist. When was he funny? When he was when he was digging a goddamn hole for his friend? At no, at no fair, point has Kim even, like, faked a laugh like when they fair, were flirting. If one of our friends all of a sudden said, hey, I've got some heroin for you, we'd laugh, <laughs> right? You know? Fair, yeah. So, yeah, maybe she thought heroin, <laughs> craziness. My second and problem. had heroin, so not funny. My second problem with it, though, is, like, <laughs> since when does being smart, good-looking, and funny mean that you are successful? Right. I mean... We're all, all three of those exactly. things. Exactly. We have one fan listening to this show. <laughs> I think we're up to like three or four, maybe. Yeah. Um, but I heard so. Yeah. But then she immediately follows that statement up in like a sentence that sounds like she should be trying to talk herself out of liking Rick, but not. She says, because he says, I'm doing all right. She says, you're wanted by the police. You got shot in the arm and your friends are criminals. Do you really want to end up here? And and then, like, Rick just says, I'm doing the best I can. I didn't grow up privileged like you. And 
Kim just like throws out a bullshit story about her friend Todd who went through two foster homes and now he has a scholarship to Stanford. And Rick just says, well, good for Todd. Why didn't you go to his house? Which is a pretty fair <laughs> That's question. That's a great line. It also made me like, is Kim a Republican? Is she still telling him to bootstrap it? I think, think she is. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. So my notes here after she said that line. It says one thing, and I've been told to not say this around my kids that much, but my wife, but I had to write it down. She said, my friend went to Stanford because he worked really hard. Wipe. <laughs> Just I actually great, wrote, great news for you and your friend. I, fuck, no. <laughs> I actually wrote, uh, like, Kim privilege. It's like worse <laughs> than white privilege. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Um, she does so make like, a good point, though. Yeah, and so Kim makes another good point here in a minute. Exactly. Um, because, uh, so basically, he just says, listen, I-, I know you're right, and I'll try to turn myself around if I get the chance, but right now, I gotta try to find a way to get through this shit. And Kim just says, we're not gonna get through anything. You can't let Frank make a drug deal with no money. You gotta tell him what's going on. And as she you know, says like, that- They're the only two that no money isn't showing up, and drug dealers are showing up. Right. It's a simple equation. The math there really does not work sense. out for anybody. Nope. Um, so Frank walks into the living room and throws Rick a beer, and uh, Rick asks him about the deal that's going on. And Frank just says, we're going to take the 20 grand you made last night, buy some ecstasy, and then flip it to some other guys for $50,000. And it, it seems unlikely that Frank is that good of a middleman. That, like, or, First of all, that he could even set this deal up. They're like, oh yeah, we just got 20 grand coming in. I definitely can buy some ecstasy from drug dealers who can't also sell it for 50 well no here here's um, what it, here's what i think it is this is what i was talking about earlier like you can buy ecstasy in powder form and then you basically take it and you press it into the into the pills with all of the the, the cool logos and shit on and you it. think right. and you think frank can do that in his kitchen MDMA. and you cut it with some bullshit cut it. so i think that's what they're yeah. doing i think that's what the that's scale why. is for but then again i oh. look at skeezy mustache douchebag mcgee and his partners, Anti-Kim and Rick. And I think these fuckers aren't going to be able to do shit. Like, I'm yeah, pretty they're not, sure he's they're not chemists. I'm pretty sure Frank all. is just going to eat it. Like, he's just <laughs> yeah, going to eat the drugs. He's going to be like, look, they're, they're, I'm going to eat $20,000 worth of ecstasy. I'm going to poop it out. And then we're going to harvest it and sell it for 50 grand. So I, I'm not a drug But typically what you get is, right, you buy a key of freak and you can sell that key to five years smart enough. This 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 two for one bullshit they're selling right now, they ain't happening. Well, so, I mean, maybe I mean they seem you're, like you're, not very upstanding members of society, so they're, they're probably cutting it with like some bullshit though. It doesn't matter. It does not matter because eventually you have to you have to cut it and make the pills. We'll know where shit is. I mean, maybe so unless you you're get, going to like get, a like a concert. Maybe they're going to like a Lala style concert where they're just going to sell all of it, all of it <laughs> to all those the the fucking ring pop. Half shirt douchebags I saw all over well, no. Lollapalooza. He makes, it, he makes it seem as though he, he's buying wholesale and selling wholesale. That's true. So you're not making that mm, like that's that. a good point. Um, and then you know, just let's be honest here. Um, Rick needs to realize if if he's ever seen Scarface, eventually someone's gonna say, "Hey, you got him money," <laughs> and they're gonna say, "You got his stuff," and nobody had him money. I got his stuff. <laughs> somebody's somebody's getting dead. Somebody's and getting chainsaw in a bathtub. You can't even say he's close by. You don't even have any money. You ain't got his stuff. And Kushi's gone. He lost him again. <laughs> <laughs> he gone. He don't want to be here. He gone. That's okay. That's okay. Hey, he's we, back. We, I had the best part of the show anyway. I don't need a Kush. Hey, I had a Kush. I had a Kush. I didn't. 
I already fucking met. Hey, okay? hey, hey, can I break in? I, I know I missed what you just said. I think I know what you were saying. Can I, <laughs> real quick, PSA. Hey, fuck Comcast. You know, just like, fuck Comcast. <laughs> Fourth- Wait, Comcast or Xfinity? Which one? It's Xfinity. It's- yeah. Mm. But like, anyway, yes. what did you guys say? Drugs? Um, Curtis so- did a whole, like, five minute Tony Montana, uh, thing about, right. about drugs. I'll do it again. I'll do it again. No, no, you're you, good. I'll- you shut your mouth. You shut it up. Shut it up. Okay? You good? You fucking good? I'm good. Okay. okay. So. Was that Scarface or Joe Pesci? I couldn't tell the difference. Both. A little, a little, I'm a little. <laughs> anyway. I mean, <laughs> well, I got a vodka and, and cherry Sprite Zero here. I like, I like where you're at. Um, so Tim just asked... I'm sorry. Go ahead and say it. I can't do that. She just asked what's going to happen if Dan doesn't show up. <laughs> so, based and on... As we know, even, even if you have pneumonia close by, you still get chainsawed in the fucking bathroom. <laughs> if you ain't got pneumonia, you may got his stuff. Fuck. Mm. What's going down there? It's worse so, than being chainsawed in the bathroom. Chainsawed up the butt in the bathroom. That <laughs> yeah, work, my friend. That does sound bad. That does sound pretty worse. Yeah. Or, or one of those weed, those, the, no, the weed racker with like kind of like, the narrow gauge for hedges. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Up, yeah. Up, 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 butt. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that that all does sound pretty bad. That's way worse. Yeah. Um. So presumably Frank knows that. Do you think? <laughs> do you think he's gonna try to pull his own chainsaw up the butt in the bathroom to whoever shows up with the drugs if he realizes he doesn't have any money? What I what I didn't realize the first time watching this was like the weird, um, like false kind of just the idea that like everything has to happen right this fucking minute. Like, why right. did he plan a drug deal for literally like eight hours after they were gonna get the money? Right. There's like your brother. You could be like, no- hey, can you just guys come tomorrow? Like, can we at least get the money and count it? Make sure it's, like, real also, first? Also, here's my thing. And maybe this is me being a, a black dude who's got some size to it, right? Um, so when I see Frank saying, nobody's leaving, I'm like, you don't have a gun <laughs> or a knife or anything. I'm walking out the door, asshole. What are you going to do? Like, <laughs> nobody's leaving. What's yeah, Rick's, got, Rick's like, <laughs> very scared of Frank, even though Rick is bigger than Frank. Yeah, yes, Frank. You have, you have nothing. Frank is like a little chubby. He's got dead eyes, a shitty goatee. Like, he just ate a quarter of an apple, so he's probably a little sluggish. Like, yeah, who's, who's the guy who plays, uh, fucking, uh, uh, Ren, what's it? Got Kylo Ren? Oh what's yes, Adam, Adam Driver. Driver. Yeah, yeah, he's a shitty Adam Driver. He is. Like, I'm not scared of. You. He's a Costco <laughs> Adam Driver. That's what he is. I oh, got. I knew I recognized that. He's he's a Sam's Club Adam Driver. <laughs> <laughs> like, like nobody's leaving. Oh, I'm sorry. Is your arm up? Oh, that's good for you, buddy. Yeah, I'm leaving now. Yeah, bye, 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 bye. There's also there's one of him and he's not really paying attention. Like, and they don't even try to like. No, he like goes into the yeah. yeah, he leaves. He leaves for like ten and minutes. They just like the couch. They don't try to like climb out a window or anything. Like they're worried that he's like somehow covering the doors. Like there's multiple exits to this fucking place. Yeah, I get it. You were around a boss like Ira Gaines first. That's a boss. This is a bitch. Mm. Just leave the bitch behind. Okay, the bitch can do nothing to you. Yeah. Just walk away. Well, he's not going to do anything worse to you than the people showing up expecting to give you drugs and you give them money without any money are going to do to you. Yeah, yeah they will definitely kill mm-hmm. you. This bitch ain't doing nothing. So skedaddle. He's going to eat an apple, throw it at you. <laughs> Well, speaking of skedaddling, we cut back to the plaza where Jack sees a bunch of kids running around shooting each other with water guns. And this is approximately 
12 minutes after he first arrived and he just now decides that these kids should be gotten out of the area mm. um so he touches his ear because he must do that when he talks to someone and says someone get these kids out of here and i don't know if he just wants like agents to run in and like grab children <laughs> in broad daylight um, can somebody but, come in and abduct these children <laughs> yeah um so we get a few tense moments of Jack also that's walking. exactly what i'm thinking literally every time i'm in public can somebody can get, someone these get these kids, kids out of here, out of here. <laughs> Team one, please come and get these fucking kids. <laughs> red team, red yeah. team, go. Abduct all these children. Get them the fuck yeah. out of my way. <laughs> so we get a few tense moments where Jack is just looking at suspicious people. And then he finally sees a man in a red hat walking down the stairs into the plaza. Um, that man walks towards him and then walks past him. So Jack just says, hey, and raises <laughs> and raises the briefcase up at him enticingly and then sits down at one of the tables. That is so covert. Yeah. <laughs> hey. hey. Get my shit. And then Morgan <laughs> seems hesitant to sit down, but he does and just says, Alexis, I <laughs> thought I told you to meet inside the restaurant. And Jack just says, well, well we're doing it out here now because there's a cop inside. Let's get this over with. And oh, my God. Fucking. That is so horrible. So oh, none of God. this, none of this makes any fucking sense. Well, so and it, Morgan and asks like... for the money and Jack says, sure, but go over what you're supposed to do for me. <laughs> um, Can you, guys, 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 no, I know because you're going to go but time out. Can you imagine if you just randomly wore your, your, your level-less red base because <laughs> fuck it, who cares? And some guy looked at you, yelled, hey, and, and raised, raised the, the silver briefcase. I'm sitting down. I would I sit would down. Run. Are you, I'm, hey, see, I'm curious. I'm, I'm very curious. I'm, I'm white Man, though, Curtis. Be, it must, yeah, being white must be uh-huh. crazy. I'd be fucking gone. Man, I need to know what he's I would, got. I would be Usain Bolt in the fuck up. <laughs> Man couldn't take me if he tried to. What, what, what kind of Japanese in game show is this going to be? Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming he's going to open it up and say, like, if you press this button, somebody in the world uh-huh. will die, but you nope. will get a million dollars. I have the mentality of a police officer. Nope. Gotta get home to the family. Get the fuck out of here. Bye, guys. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm a sprinter. <laughs> I, I, I would have hit a 9.32 meters. Yeah. I guarantee You're gonna you. miss out on so many sweet adventures. Yeah. Super Think news. Think about how many adventures super start news. with a weird dude with a briefcase saying, hey. Yeah, not today, White Devil. <laughs> only, no, thank only, you. For, only for you guys. The, I, I die in the first 15 minutes of that adventure yeah. every time. Yeah, Michael, so... you and I go to Narnia. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Curtis gets eaten by the lion. I, Curtis winds I, up I in Mr. a basement I'm somewhere. I'm Mr. Tumnus. I get fucking frozen immediately, dude. It's just not good news for me. So guess what? No. <laughs> not today, Satan. I'm out of here. Goodbye, Aquasiocha. Not talking to you. <laughs> I did you guys know that? Just so you know. If this situation ever comes up and anything we're into, I you'll turn around and you'll see an actor image of me. It's a smoke monster of Curtis. Like, oh, oh, he's gone. Okay. What if like, you're so what if you're with us and this situation is like, hey, you three, silver briefcase, are you still you're gone? Yeah. Okay. Kush, Kush, have you ever yeah, seen kid. that that video for the prank show where the where there's like four people sitting in the office? It's like two white guys, a white woman, and a black guy. They're sitting in this office, and this dude just falls through the ceiling. Like he's no, like, I haven't seen it. He falls through the ceiling. He look, he's dressed like a burglar of some sort. Literally, the black guy gets up. As soon as it happens, the guy barely even hits the ground and he is off he's off his chair and he is four blocks away when they finally catch up to him and are like, Hey, sorry, bro, it was a prank. And he is still like kind of jogging. They have to jog next to him to be like, It was a prank, you should is, stop running. You're gonna try to blame us for this. Right? Immediately. It's gonna be my fault. I'm fucking out. Like if you look at those pranks where they have a guy like pop out of something and everybody gets scared. 
the black is the one who punches this guy in the face and fucking runs. Yeah. So it's like, oh, nope, danger. Bam time, I'm gone. <laughs> I don't give a shit. I don't need to be here right now. Get, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I am, I, I love you guys. And, and I got your back. Unless it's an emergency. I'm out. I'm gone. <laughs> That's, I'm just not gonna. Don't even be like, like you'll you'll think I'm there. You'll see me there, and I won't be there. Anymore. That's fair. <laughs> Smoke bomb. <laughs> well, the funny part is, I've done this to a friend before in middle school. I literally did it to, and it was my black friend named Reggie. He thought like there was this there was a girl who was after him who was like kind of a crazy girl, and and she was saying I'm coming to get you. And he said that he felt behind him and said, my boy's still here with me. And I was fucking gone <laughs> down the hallway. He didn't understand until I was actually, he saw me going on the stairs like, son of a bitch, he's fat. I'm like, I'm not that fast. It's just my black guy speed. My, my I'm re- out. I have very good reflexes. <laughs> I was moving before she even opened her mouth. <laughs> I'm gone. You know, I'm, I'm not staying here for this craziness. I don't have time for it. Anyway, go on. <laughs> well, speak, speaking of time, Morgan just launches directly into the plan and just says, well, at 7.30 tonight, I'm going to shut down the power on grid 26 double G. Five minutes later, it comes back up. Well, and he Jackie actually says, said 7.20. The closed captioning said 7.30. Oh, oh okay. Which Sorry, was weird. Right. Yeah. Yeah, five minutes. Five, mm-hmm. five minutes later, it comes back up. Okay, so... In about two hours, no, sorry, an hour and a half or less, something is going to happen. He's going to turn off some power somewhere. And Jack just says, what else? And <laughs> Why does Jack think he's a terrible Bond villain? He's like, can you go on? Yeah. <laughs> and, and Morgan says, what do you mean, what else? And Jack just, like, opens the briefcase and, like, starts to turn it towards him. And then... Morgan asked the, what would have been my first and only question when I walked up to the table, what happened to your accent? Yeah, I love how, like, that was the straw that broke the disbelief back. Like, yeah, yeah, I know he doesn't have an accent anymore, but, like, this one. What else? Like, I've already revealed well, yeah. the whole plot. He, he, asked, he asked me for the terrorist plot, and he wants to know what I'm doing after that. <laughs> we, mm. We're gonna hang? Or? Only, yeah. only my friends know what I'm doing after the terrorist plot. That's ridiculous. Mm. I'm going to my <laughs> bank and depositing my $50,000 in bearer bonds. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to buy $20,000 worth of ecstasy. And, uh, <laughs> I'm going to go take this $50,000 and buy $50,000 worth of ecstasy, which I'm going to sell then for $100,000. This is like a weird pyramid scheme of ecstasy. I mean, I think most drug dealing is kind of multi-level marketing, really, when you get right down to it. <laughs> It is. It is. You've only got three levels, friend. You can't go any further. Get your friends hooked on Smack. (laughs) You Um, get a free vacation to Disney. You just have to come and listen to this this infomercial about selling drugs to your friends. (laughs) So rather than answering what happened to his accent, Jack just kind of looks shifty. And uh, Morgan says, you're not Alexis. And he gets up and runs away. And uh, Jack chases him up the stairs and down a walkway. And um, Teddy says he can take him down. Uh, and Jack says he's not a threat and tells everyone to hold their fire. And guys, what happens? Oh, uh, God. He yells. Okay. I, okay. I don't know okay. how many times. It had to be like half a dozen. So times it's about 30 seconds. That he says, like, don't shoot. No one shoot. For the love of God, no one shoot. Please don't shoot. Please don't, don't shoot. Don't shoot. And Teddy just keeps saying, I'm just going to slow him down. Yeah, I'm just I'll gonna... wing him. Okay, here's what I don't get. So Teddy's going to slow him down. Now, as a physics nerd, I understand a couple things here. Now, it doesn't matter if, if this guy's running over a goddamn bridge, okay? If you're going to slow him down, that means you are aiming for his lower body. Mm-hmm. 
right? Dick Only shot. for his legs. Mm. Trying to hit a thigh, a leg, anything. This man gets shot and pushed over a bridge. Through a bridge. Which means, <laughs> which only means that he was hit in his center of mass. So you aimed at his fucking chest that would slow to him slow down. him down. I mean, it did slow him down pretty good. Um, it does. Yeah. It does. It will. It'll slow you down completely. Well, it speeds so- him up a little bit, but then it slows him down yeah. immediately. Well, okay, it slowed him down at first, and then, yeah, his his, his velocity going over the fucking bridge mm-hmm. does speed him yeah. up. Yeah, and then it goes to zero uh, very quickly. Down. Yep. So Teddy also turned about 250 degrees in his flower pot <laughs> to take this shot. Like, the sight lines were not that good. Um, But so... Just as Jack is about to reach Morgan as he crosses a bridge with glass walls, Teddy shoots him, and Morgan falls through the glass, drops about 30 feet, and uh, <laughs> Nina runs up to him, Jack calls a medic, and then calls Teddy Hanlon a son of a bitch, and Teddy, like, looks like he m- knows he might have made an oopsie. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's got his rifle up, and he's just kind of, like, staring, like, squinting with his mouth kind of open, just like, huh, oops. Mm-hmm. Um, if so I was gonna fuck is, up, I should have shot Jack. Yeah, and, and and guys, this is the third episode in a row, and the third total in five episodes. We've got terrorists down. Mm-hmm. I need to know what their what their current state is. So it's both Milko, Alexis, and now now Morgan mm-hmm. have been put down. And before that, you remember our gentleman who took a few explosionary uh, issues. <laughs> From, from from Jack and Rick's gunfire. Mm, yeah. On the, yeah. Lost a couple in there. The compound. They lost a, Ira. We lost Kim. They like they they like to, to, to get a terrorist in the old episodes here coming up, and I, I'm hoping this continues. Yeah. The rest of the season. But go ahead. No, no, I'm just saying. I, I, and I don't even know if Morgan is technically a terrorist. It, I mean, it sounds like he works for like a power company. You know, like he like. If you were gonna give, if you're gonna give me blackout, my friend, at seven forty five. Right, prime time's coming. You're terrorist. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I mean, we don't necessarily know where uh, you're at twenty four double or twenty six double G is, but I'm sure it's shit. I'm sure it's my house. And mm-hmm. fuck you, Comcast. I need this internet. I have a show to do. Fuck you. Yeah, I mean, um, like right March, there's like prime time sweeps coming up. You know, mm-hmm. and you're just like, oh, fuck, come on, man. Well, I mean, shit, hard. guys, it's probably going to be right CNN's during Palmer's going press down, conference. Man. He's going to oh. cut the power right during Palmer's hey, but, Yeah, like, it's, 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 it's primary time. Can you imagine if K1 out during primary time when the polls closed? Polls close at 7. We're still counting at 745. Fuck, man. I mean, it ruined everything. It'll only be five minutes. So. It was 2001. There was only like three channels to watch anyways. <laughs> it's the olden times you're right um so in a split screen uh we see david palmer telling someone to take care of the tape of keith's recording make a goddamn Uh, copy yeah make a couple maybe um we see morgan who appears to be all kinds of dead um kim is looking worried and then we see dr parslow's car park in the driveway he and terry get out we pan through the landscaping to see Jovan Mjovic crouched much like a velociraptor in some ferns, <laughs> and then we pan down to his feet where we see Agent Williams of CTU is very dead. Uh, poor, mm-hmm. I think take a drink for another dead mm-hmm. CTU agent. We cut this to is five. For my homie. We cut to five fifty nine and fifty nine seconds, and cut to black. Do we have a count? Of CTU agents versus terrorists dead. It's not good. Ooh, I think it's it's, it's either nine or ten agents with with Williams. Well, yeah. Um, so redshirt agents are really not good against terrorists. Jack is incredible. Yes, right. But I'm saying like we if we if we include I think the we're terrorists only at like four or five dead terrorists. No, but if we include the terrorists that Alexis Alexis Drazen killed in that explosion and then Kevin, oh. like so he, he killed, killed like. 
three or four there. He yeah, only... Kevin's still alive, though. He no, shot Kevin, Kevin right in the Kevin's... face. No, 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 never mind. Kevin yeah, did. Kevin, Kevin, Kevin did. real dead. So he killed, like, five terrorists just right there. I think Jack only killed four. I think he killed... And, and assist. He's got four And, and Terry assist. killed one. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we're right, so might I, be I, even. I, I think well, well, I, I think good guys you... are winning. They're, it's like 11, 11 to ten <laughs> terrorists are uh, are are down. I just we're we're in the, like the, the we're we're in the middle of the fourth quarter here. You know, I just want to keep keep track of the score. Yeah, <laughs> actually, there's probably hold on, there's probably a death count. <laughs> hold on, man. Okay, no, let's go back. So Jack had the first kill, then an assist, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then he got a capture. <laughs> hey guys, are we talking just CTU agents or like good guys in general? I was just counting CTU agents, but okay, because because no other good guy killed. Well, ma- well, there was the Mandy's, entire plane of people. Mandy's Mandy's got a pretty significant <laughs> kill count to her. Mandy Mandy murdered four hundred people, so that's a different. Mandy's point. kill to death ratio is infinite. By the way, okay, so on the wikia there is actually a a deaths on twenty four, and <laughs> no, what, I, I am I'm looking at well, that so right now. So it's one actually. flight attendant injection, Martin Belkin. Flight attendant, flight attendant, Paul and Georgia, Coolender, plane explosion. Then, 7 through 360 are the flight 221 passengers and crews, of which there were 354. <laughs> so, Drazen killed four. He killed three henchmen and Kevin Carroll. Um, okay. Yeah, okay. Jerry killed Eli. Um, let's see. So, Jack killed uh, two henchmen. He killed Neil. He killed Ira. Uh, Drazen's, Drazen's hitman killed Robert Ellis. Uh, Jovan Miovic and Mishka Suba killed Daniels. He killed, he killed Ted Kofel. Does he count as a terrorist? He did kill yep. Kofel. Kofel counts. Um, <laughs> Jovan and Mishko killed an undercover CTU agent, which I have to assume is Lunmore Man. Um, <laughs> they also killed someone named Ron. Just Ron. Uh, CTU agent. <laughs> That's Lunmore Man. R.I.P. Ron. All day long. Okay. Williams is not undercover because he drives he drove a government car with government plates. Yeah. So he just yeah. just he It just says Williams. Doesn't even give him a first name. Yeah. yeah. So Michael, don't 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 read too far ahead. No, I'm not I'm not. But like we're so we're at the at the end of this episode, we're at three hundred and eighty seven deaths, including three hundred and fifty four who were killed on or three hundred and fifty four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, three hundred and sixty total. Oh, yeah, so three hundred and sixty four. Kevin has Janet, right? Yeah, Kevin killed Janet. And, and Ira has Ira has Dan killed too. Mm. There's a there's a lot of people dead <laughs> if you include an entire plane full of people. <laughs> um, so yeah, guys. Okay, so it's six p.m. Uh, we have a drug deal about to go down any moment now at uh, at Dan's old house. Uh, Jack uh, has no leads anymore. He knows that there's a power grid being shut down. That's about it. Uh, Terry is about to walk face first into a, a harpoon. Um, where do you think we get? What's going to happen next episode? I don't think Terry's yeah. gonna walk face first in a harpoon, no. but fucking Parslow is definitely walking. Yeah. Oh, Parslow's dead. Yeah. Terry's gonna run away. I hope they don't break this version of Terry. That would, you know, I don't know what that means. Have a fugue state Terry, a state Terry. Then she goes full memento and she starts like yeah, we'll, 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 tattooing shit on her body. <laughs> yeah, it'll be, it'll be real weird. But I feel like like Yovan will not accomplish his goal, Terry. Um, Kim's gonna Kim up this whole drug deal now. You think Kim's gonna fuck it up? But but we'll walk away unscathed. Mm, okay. Yeah. Um. So look, everybody's gonna die. Rick might be mortally mortally wounded. Okay. And Kim will be fine because she's of the, of the clan Rick Bauer. <laughs> she she cannot die. So, <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. She she's immortal. She had inside her blood of kings. She has no rival. No man can be. Anyway. <laughs> uh. 
Let's see. Jack is going to really yell at Teddy. Just, just lay into it. And Deservedly he, so. And then he will magically come up with some strategy that will get him closer to Drake. So, so he knows that a power grid is about to be shut down for five minutes. Right. And you he, know, I, I hear you're saying, Kush, so that makes sense, right? You can, you can get it to, to an area of what will happen, but somehow Jack magic her. Right. He'll get closer than he needs to get. Well, I'm, I'm going to say, like, what do you think that's for? I mean, so again, we've talked about there's probably something deeper going on than just killing Palmer and having Jack go to jail for it or Jack dying also. Like, what could they need power so, to go out for? So and this is something that's shutting, been if, planned. Well, here's the funny part. They're shutting out after seven. The polls have closed. Um, so unless you found a way to hack voting machines after voting, well, I don't do that. But, um, so you think this is about the election? This race is really huge, Palmer. Um, and I figured they might try to close the election. Okay. And, and, and the sad part is that to have guys who have a Slavic name and accent try to influence the American election is... Just ridiculous. Not something that's possible um, at all. So I don't know why they, this is the reason to ask that. Okay. Um, but, <laughs> but, but yeah, I think that might be, might be part of it. It doesn't matter because I, I, I know that they're going to make you watch David Paul be the president. Yeah. And that makes me sad <laughs> on the inside. Mm-hmm. Mm. And the modalities. <laughs> um, but, but, but at least, at least Cheryl will be there to be like, God, you are the worst. Which is kind of like House of Cards, where if you watch, you know, um, Kevin Bates' character, Frank Edward, actually do things, you realize that his wife is the one who should charge because he's just an asshole. And I think David Palmer is, he's what liberals need to look at to see, hey, if you actually got what you wanted in what you think is a good president, might be a dick. Uh, and, and so just watch this guy. So, yeah. Okay. Um, I, I don't, I, I think we're going to find out next couple episodes who is higher up mole than CTA. Okay. And I think George Mason or Nina Myers is leader. Interesting. Okay. Um, so we've already seen a little bit, obviously, that David Palmer does not trust Sherry because, you know, she's better than he is. Um, what do you think yeah. that, do you think there's going to be any fallout there? Is what's, what's Sherry going to be? Seems like she's on the outs right now, so. I mean, David has this disappointed look, you know, in his eyes if he's going to do something about it. But as someone who is married uh, above his station and out this conversation, like, you just shut your fucking mouth. Like, you can say anything you want to, but but just know that she's better than you and doesn't need you. And David should realize that as well, so just just stop. He'll argue it for a while. Like, a good a good 40 minutes in this episode could be him being like, Sherry, you're terrible and you try to, you know, you're you're morally corrupt. And Sherry will just tell him to shut the hell up and then it'll be passed. Yeah, so, that's fair. Good. Well, you're not wrong. I'll say that much. Um, well, guys, I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, this I, I have week some. On... I have some bad news, guys. I tried, oh, I tried to try to find um, the LA power grid numbers, and they're not available online. You couldn't find twenty six double G. I couldn't find. I, it. But I you know what I did find in relation to twenty four. Mm-hmm. What I did find was that before nineteen forty eight, uh, LA's power grids ran on fifty hertz. Instead of 60, because uh, they're fucking stupid. I don't know. They were just un- incompatible with the rest of the world. Or, I mean, the rest of the United States. Yes, have I you, knew that, too. Have you been to too. L.A., though? I have been to L.A. They're incompatible with the rest of the world. <laughs> so, I don't... I don't, I don't Hollyweird, am I right? Oh, <laughs> baby. Fucking, fucking liberal. Fucking yep. Bernie bros over there. Sorry. Cal exit, am I right? <laughs> anyway, guys, I think that's gonna, we're gonna 24 exit here. Um, thanks for listening this week, uh, to the longest days of our lives. Uh, you can find out more information about this show by going to goodbuddymedia.com. Um, 
eventually I'll put a blog post up. Probably about Michael, send me some info on bear bonds. We'll post about bear bonds. Do, <laughs> do a nice little history lesson for people. Or how about how about bear bonds? Bear 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 bears bear bears. How about bower bonds? How do we not get to that joke eighteen minutes ago? Fuck man, we. I'm sorry. You know what? We apologize, fan. Yeah, for not making the bower bond joke. Anyway, that's that's responsible. That's obviously the name of the episode. Anyway, um, but yeah, you can find out more information about this show by going to goodbuddymedia.com. If you want to get in touch with us, you can give us an email at goodbuddymedia at gmail.com. We check that all the time. So you know, if you have something you want to just you want to give us a shout out, do that. But if you you want something said on the show, you know, shoot us a little message. Um, so Curtis, how else can people uh, help us out? Guys, if you're still listening to this show on a, on a weekly basis, first of all, thank you. We appreciate it. Um, but you can find us on your podcast app of choice, whether it be iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, or uh, soon enough, iHeartRadio will get there. Um, but go ahead and search for us uh, on your app. And once you do, uh, download it, review, and give us a rating, and give us a comment. And that is how we will climbing the charts to become a podcast juggernaut and be able to eventually, my God, ask someone for money <laughs> for producing this shit show for you. <laughs> I, 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 we'll, I, I think we're going to get there one day and I, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm more excited like, about hey, the possibility of doing like a live show with like 30 people. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. If we could do a live, I'd love to do a live theater show watching an episode with an audience. Mm. And going over this shit. Guys, I, I really, I, I honestly just can't wait to sell me undies and a Casper mattress to people. <laughs> That's all I want out of life. I want, I want to do, um, StubHub or, you know, some other chicken app. That, that, that's me. But, you know, me undies would be great. Um, or just scotch. Like I said, just, just, I, I need scotch. Scotch, hit us up. If you, us. if you need a. Hey, you know what? Actually, even, even vodka. If you oh, want to go okay. ahead and, and sponsor us as well. Yeah. That's great. Great news. Anyway, Michael, how can folks help us out on the old social media? Yeah, you can find us at L-D-O-O-L-Cast on Twitter and on Facebook or by searching for us at Longest Days of Our Lives on Facebook. And, you know, one of the best ways to help us out is to uh, like and share um, and retweet and all that other stuff to kind of take us from our immediate network to your network and hopefully beyond and that's you know how we get a lot of uh additional listeners um you know if you find us on on cast crunch or one of the other uh podcast apps that curtis talked about if if you want to share that those links as well that would be great um and you know like kush said shoot us a note uh shoot us a comment uh we're, we're always happy to hear from you guys um and uh you know thanks again for listening yeah, everyone. And I do want to, Michael mentioned it. I want to give a nice shout out to everyone who's been listening to the show on Cast Crunch. Uh, we've, we've had a ton of downloads recently, had a whole bunch of people who seem to be starting over from the beginning of the show. So, uh, welcome to the cast and, uh, thanks for listening. So, um, guys, I think that's going to do it for us here. Uh, gentlemen, we're running out of time. Toodles.